Nevertheless, it's time for Oom Nick. All things automotive with the petrol head, Nicku Smith. <laughs> Nicku, to the petrol head very quickly. Good morning. Hello, Nico. On the couch with a cup of coffee. I hope you've had your first one already. Not yet this morning, but I'm going to have one soon. Okay, so I know you've got a you. You haven't even had your coffee yet, Niamh. Yes, how shocking is that? Yeah, Oom Nick, this this nee this a problem, ne? A great problem. So 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 Nico, um. I know we're going to go into a fantastic bucky. It looks fantastic anyway. But I just want to ask a question to get this one out of the way. There's a couple of other ones as well. Mm-hmm. But um, So someone wants to know, is it worth buying a hybrid car that, that, that still use petrol? And will you need to replace a very expensive battery? And uh, Stephen says, I don't own a car. I commute by bicycle, but I am looking for vehicle options. Stephen, stay with a bicycle or Shank's pony. So what do you think? Um, so, Michelle, there's not many hybrid uh, vehicles currently in South Africa. Um, so hybrid vehicles, and, and I'm not sure if you're talking about a plug-in hybrid or just a hybrid. Um, a car like a Prius, for instance, is a hybrid. So a Prius has a petrol engine, um, and then um, it has a small battery and an electric motor. So while you're driving, it charges the battery, effectively when you're braking, and then there's energy in the battery, and you can drive short distances on that electric motor if you want it. A plug-in hybrid. Um, you, for instance, Jaguar has a plug-in hybrid or, or Volvo. Um, plug-in hybrids are cars that have a, a battery again, but you can charge the battery at a wall socket. That battery is normally a little bit bigger. And dependent on the car, 20 to 30 kilometers roughly, you can drive on electricity. So in other words, if you want to drive to work and back, you can plug it in the wall, charge the battery, drive to work and back on electricity. But if you want to tackle a long-distance road, you want to drive to Cape Town from Gauteng, you can use the internal combustion engine. Um, the thing with plug-in hybrids, they are much more expensive than normal cars. So if you're just trying to save money, then it's not worth your while. If you do consider um, the option of driving with electricity on only, then they, they're actually quite cool cars. I must say I enjoy the fact that you can use the electricity side of it. Um, but there's not too many plug-in or, or hybrid option vehicles available. Mostly you're either going to get an electric car, which we're going to get more, more of, and uh, internal combustion engine cars. The battery warranty normally on all the manufacturers are very good. So on the, the, the new electric cars, the manufacturers are all looking at about an eight-year, 160,000-kilometer warranty on their, on their batteries. So electric car batteries warranties are pretty good. So I do have to uh, say, Stephen, why don't you just get an electric bicycle? I mean, there's so many about and what happens and when it rains? And where do you uh, put the luggage? <laughs> no, but they're so fantastic. And so many people are doing it now. And, and they're just becoming more and more uh, affordable I think they're absolutely rock, but there you go. So, Nico, this new Mazda Bucky. So you, you say you like the looks. I mean, I, I like heard you say the that look. Twice. Yeah, I almost thought, is it time for me to trade in my car and get a Bucky? And get a Bucky. Well, if you're a, if you're a Bucky person, definitely. I mean, this market, Michelle, is such a hotly contested market um, that there's a lot of Buckies and you have sport for choice. And if I'm honest, I, I would, would have said that the previous BT50 the design maybe wasn't to everybody's taste. Yeah. Especially at the back, the lights were a little bit odd. And the new one has more of Mazda's design language with that big single frame grill in the front. So um, from, from and, and then you get two fog lights at the bottom, very really smooth lines all around, um, a more conventional design at the back. So from the outside, I have to agree and say this BT50 is, a, is really a pretty bucky. Um, as buckies go, it's a, it's a very good-looking thing. So... Um, if looks are an important thing and you've always been a, a Mazda fan and you were put off by the previous one, yeah, as I said, 
I think it's a really good-looking bucky from the outside. Well, when you say that, it makes me worried about what you're going to say about the inside. Oh, uh, uh, no. <laughs> wow. The inside is... Um, <laughs> isn't as good as the outside. Not that the inside is bad, where I would say the outside styling, um, I would say is really good. The inside is more, a, it's very um, a conventional, but well laid out. So steering wheel, normal dials in front of the driver with a trip computer um, giving you fuel consumption. Then you have a very large touch screen in the center, which um, I like the fact that I could mirror my phone and have Apple CarPlay there. And you have a, a climate control at the bottom. So climate control at the bottom. So the basic functions of changing climate control um, also um, makes it a sort of a, a clear design and clear layout. So everything is easy to find. Um, if you don't like a vehicle with too many buttons and functions and sometimes you feel a bit overwhelmed, even though it's a large uh, touchscreen, um, the, the functions are clear and easy to understand. Okay, and what kind of, I mean, I know I'm sounding like a complete idiot here, but what kind no, of... No, you're not. What kind of an engine is a BT-50? Is it like what? Well, so it comes in two versions. It comes in a 1.9-litre diesel um, or a 3-litre diesel. Sure. And what's interesting about this 3-litre diesel is, is that it's a four-cylinder engine. Now, normally, especially in cars, 3 litres um, are six-cylinders. So this is a, a slight, it only has four-cylinders, but... Um, uh, having three liters actually means that the power output is pretty good, 140 kilowatts yeah. and 450 newtons. So the engine actually pulls quite strong if you, if you, when you start accelerating hard. Yeah. Um, it's mated to an eight uh, or a six or the six speed gearbox. And I have to say that this pairing isn't fabulous. The, the gearbox, um, I, I found, especially if I was driving, um, in low speed. So sort of, um, just driving, um, and just pulling away smoothly and waiting for the gearbox to change. It felt a little bit laggy, sort mm. of. It wasn't a, a quick change. So it, it almost, if you're accelerating hard, it's okay, but if you're driving normally, it felt a little bit, sort of, you know, sometimes the auto boxes would go, ah, and it felt a little bit like this. <laughs> do that again? We, Sorry, just do ah, <laughs> 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 So you get, the, you get the sounds for free, uh, okay. which, which makes it, you know, um, so the the, gear, the engine is okay, um, and the consumption is actually fairly good. The problem was that the, the gearbox, as I said, um, compared to, let's say, the Ford Ranger that has a 10-speed gearbox, yeah. um, the gearbox is sort of not necessarily the best feature um, in the vehicle. They work okay, but the laggy bit um, I find a bit frustrating. Also, the vehicle I drove, the 3T, the, the you either get in a 4, 4x2 or 4x4. In the 4x4 version, which I had, again, which I, the one I drove, uh, for a few days, the ride is a little bit on the firm side. Okay. So if you do, if you do like cars that ride more on the firm side, or even buckets that ride more on the firm side, then this is going to be a car that you're going to like more. Um, although it does feel all the bumps and all the unevenness is translated inside into the vehicle. So you do feel all of those bumps and ridges and une- unevenness in the vehicle. Well, when um, you say, just, just for clarity, like... Um when you say a 4x2 versus a 4x4, not all of us understand what that means. Okay, so what happens is um, most buckies out there are 4x2. In other words, you see, you look at the bucky, um, so you want that whole big vehicle, you want to be able to load the load, use the load bay at the back and the double cab, but you're not really going to go on off-road trails or drive through very bad roads, maybe a little bit of roads on the rural areas. Then a 4x2 simply means that there are four wheels, Mm. But the drive only goes to two wheels. <clears throat> Excuse me. A 4x4 four four is then in the more expensive end of this, the bucky. And a 4x4 four four simply means that it has four wheels 
but it's now driving with all four. These are normally what we also refer to as selectable four by four. So um, when I'm driving normally uh, in that bucket, let's say take the, the Mazda now, um, it's actually in, in two-wheel drive mode, so it's pushing with the back wheels. But if, if I do go on a very bad rural road or an off-road track, then I might select either four high or four low. In other words, the four-wheel drive functions where it's always now pulling with the front wheels and pushing with the back wheels. Okay. So, all right. So you tested it out. I mean, I'm assuming you didn't go up a cliff, <coughs> up a cliff or a mountain or something like no, that. No, I didn't unfortunately have time to, to do some off-roading with it. Um, uh-huh. Although, of course, you know, having so much power and torque with 140 kilowatts and 450 newtons, I'm sure it's more than capable of, of you know, with that, all that torque and being a diesel with good engine braking. I, I, I wouldn't worry about taking this anywhere in an off-road trail. Um, so living with it every day, as I said, you know, it, it's practical. But also one thing I think that will make life a little bit tough, um, against some of the competitors, especially in the 4x4 four, the four four side, yeah. um, actually even the 4x2, if you look at, again, some of the competitors have very high spec, and I want to use the Ranger again as an example. Um, if you take the wild truck, you then have a lane-keeping system as standard, and you have a radar cruise control as standard, and a blind spot warning as standard. None of these are available on the Mazda. It doesn't actually have navigation as standard um, on, on this high-end vehicle. So I think one thing, though, that, that will make life a little bit difficult against the competitors is the standard spec is good, but some of the competitors have amazing standard spec, and that sort of makes it a little bit more tricky. Okie dokes. So, I mean, I'm not, I'm not hearing you go, yes, I love you know this, what? but wait, wait, wait. Uh, yes, I'm, I'm going to give you pause so that you don't have to answer that directly because we have to go to a break. Mm-hmm. And when we come from the break, I want to hear, are you going, yes, I love it, or are you going, mm, it, it could work for you, Michelle, or are you going, uh, not so sure. Let's go to the break and you can decide afterwards. All things automotive with the petrol head, Nico Smith. We are chatting to Nico, our petrol head. Just a quick note, Helene has uh, asked, what was the song we played? We played Daft Punk by Fragments of Time. It was the choice of Colosile in East London. So there you go, Daft Punk and Fragments of Time. So Nico, as we said... Um, so, so, so if I let me do this. Let, let's talk about the pros and what it has in, uh, um, going for it. Um, yeah. And we'll start there. So what it has going for it is, um, things I like for instance, is the reverse camera, which I think is very good for a bucky. So reversing in and out of tight spaces mm. or the garage is, is pretty mm. cool. Apple CarPlay, I like. I thought that was really quite, you know, I like the fact that I could mirror my phone. It also has functions like trailer sway mitigation. In other words, if you look at trailer and the trailer starts, um, it's not well packed or well balanced and it starts swaying the car, it'll stabilize it. It has rollover mitigation. So if the bucky rolls, it'll actually break or the, the car senses it's going to roll. It'll break the two inside wheels and let them slide out to effectively stop it from rolling over. So it has a, a good, I think, a powerful engine, 140 kilowatts and 450 newtons and dual and climate control and nice eight-speaker sound system. Um, what it is going to battle with in some of the competitors is that um, some of the uh, gearboxes, especially um, cars like the, the Ranger or even the Amarok, the gearboxes are slightly smooth or, or smoother. Some of the vehicles also have a, a more of a softer ride. This is more on the firm side. So if you do like a firm ride, this is definitely going to you know, be your choice. What also makes it difficult is the specification. Even you know, vehicles like the Navarro or the Triton also have very high standard specification. So um, a lot of the competitive specification is much better at the same price point. 
which I, I think will be more on the difficult side. If you're looking for a vehicle that is reliable, you know, this does feel like it's going to last you easily 15 years or 20 years. Um, it is, by the way, just uh, for Intersec based on the new Isuzu platform. So where before the BT50 was um, shared the, the, what, what is happening under the skin with Ford, the new one that, we, that I've seen now or that I drove actually says its platform with the new Isuzu coming, I think, about probably next year. So we're looking for something that's going to last you and that feels like it'll last forever. Um, but the price um, for the 1.9 is 611,000 rands, and for the 4x4 that I drove, 794,000 rands. So uh, because I never look at Bucky prices, you have to tell me how is that Okay, so to, to, other... to put it in comparison, I, you know, of course, um, it is on the higher end of the 4x4 scale. So if I look at um, a competitor like the Wild Track Ranger, that's mm. 806,000. So um, it's fairly, a little bit, the range is a bit more expensive, um, but it has higher spec. The same with the Hilux, the 2.8 um, uh, GRD6 double cap 4x4, 793, so about 1,000 rands cheaper. Um, the Amarok 2 litre, um, 4x4, 789,000 rands. So sort of those are the competitors. And so it sits more on the high-end price range of the market as well. And, and that's why I think it's a good, solid bucky. It will be reliable, but it might have a tough time like competitors are really doing well, like, a four, like the Fords in the market or the Hiluxes or the Amaroks or the Navarros. Those are the, and, and even the Triton is a left of field choice. Those are the very popular ones. You mentioned that the Asus is coming out next year. Does that mean that mm. we should consider waiting for the Asuzu before? So if you're an Asuzu fan, I mean, it, it does feel a little bit older in this, uh, you know, if you look at the competitors that are in there. Um, but Asuzu also has, its, you know, the followers and people that, that, that are very faithful to the brand. But you know what, Michelle, what's interesting about that is I, if you really want a car and you want to say, I want a car that's going to be reliable, the best time actually to buy any vehicle, it doesn't matter what it is, mm. is um, not that a new one is bad, but if you're buying a car that's towards the end of its life cycle, um, when, you, when a car is new, sometimes there might be little niggles and things that the manufacturer then have to sort out and there's more markets on vehicles on the cars, so just the vehicles start improving. So when you look at the end, life end of a car in the last two years, those needles are normally sorted out. The manufacturers have had campaigns to fix those. Even in uh, the factories, productions have, have improved and maybe some of the methods have improved so there's less fault. So um, to that end, actually, sometimes it's quite good or a good idea to buy the car at the end of its life cycle because but what um, you, what you mean, it's what well you, sorted out. But what you mean by that is you're not necessarily saying buy a car which is 15 years old. You're saying that... No, no, I, I'm saying... It could be brand new. new. Car, yeah, it could be brand that's new. It. Yeah. That's it. So in other words, the new Isuzu is, you know, you can buy, when you're buying an Isuzu now, this bucket's been around for quite a few years. And next year, there's a new one. So if you go buy a new Isuzu now, what I'm saying is it's still as good, it's going to be very reliable and it's going to last you a long time. So it's still not, doesn't mean that it's a bad choice because it's older than some of the competitors, but some of them will have newer tech. You know, some people don't actually want technology in a bucket. They want something that's reliable, gets them from A to B, never breaks down. Some, a lot of these buckies, they're becoming a lot more lifestyle orientated. So as I said, radar, cruise control, lane keeping, lane keeping systems, blind spot monitoring. So there's a lot more luxury features to this because a lot of people actually use them as daily commuters and sometimes go away with a family. Uh, and then they want to use the, I have a friend that has a range of instance. They go surfing. So then the surfboards just go in the back or they go away a lot and the camping stuff goes in the back. 
So for them, they like the lifestyle, but mostly it's going to school and back and picking up the kids and just doing the daily run. And you, a lot of people want a nice balance between the two. So at the end of the day, um, it's a, there's a lot of choice and you're spoiled for choice if you're looking at a new bucky. So, okay, if I was looking to buy a bucky, now I'm not, I really am not saying that I am, but I'm just saying, imagine in a blue sky world, I was going to buy a bucky. Would you say, go ahead, buy this, this, this Mazda in close? I would, I would say you definitely can consider it when, when, when there's lots of, uh, there's lots of options around um, and it's worth having a look at. Um, but I would also say, do your homework because there's so many choices spoiled for choice, but just do have go have a look at the new Mazda. It's a good-looking bucky, and it's, it's uh, it has a lot of good values, uh, a lot of good features that support it. Well, that's why we like having you on the show because, in fact, you do the homework for us. So, really... <laughs> <laughs> okay, Nico, go and get that cup of coffee, and um, here's a quick question: you have to answer with one word. Did you, if a petrol or diesel car has twenty thousand individual parts? How many does an electrical motor have? I don't know how many, but not a lot less. Um, I don't know how many, but a lot, a lot, a lot less. So if it, let's imagine, and uh, if it was like 20,000, this would like have uh, 800. Um, and this is, I'm just, I don't know how many, but just the relationship with moving parts, electric cars have very, very few moving parts. So according to one of our listeners, Gath Dangle, it's only 20. Who knows if that's wow. true, but uh, it's an interesting thought wow. nevertheless. Nine o'clock, Probably. time for the news. Good morning.